You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We are continuing the sermon series on prayer. I hope and pray that this month as we talk about prayer, that it is encouraging you to pray more this month, that you're talking more to God. However you feel that you need to talk with God, that we can, we can read the scriptures, we can see what God is saying, we can apply that to our prayer life and however we're praying and see our prayer life increase. Because from the beginning of time, God has always wanted to communicate with humanity. That's the goal, is God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to hear you talk, and He wants to talk to you. He wants you to encourage and praise Him, and He wants to encourage you. He wants to bring you out of the miry clay. He wants to pull you out of that sin. He wants to bring you and set you in a place that you've never been before. And how do we do that? How does God make that plan happen? How does that communication happen? And that is by something that he's given us called prayer. So the scripture that we're standing on and that we're studying this month is 1 Timothy 2, chapter 1. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we're encouraging you this month to spit it out. As you're, as you're praying in your daily routine, in your daily walk with God, we're taking this a step further and encouraging you to spit it out. How can I increase my prayer life? We can increase that by praying prayers of supplication. We can increase that by praying prayers like we're going to talk about today. We can increase that by praying intercessory prayers, praying for other people. And then we're going to wrap that all up and wrap the whole sermon series up in the last part of that scripture where it says giving of thanks or thanksgiving. S-P-I-T, we are going to spit it out. Today we're going to talk about prayers. Last week we talked about supplications. Talked about supplications, the importance of supplications. That is the first word that Paul writes about in this scripture and that God understands that we as humanity are selfish people. And he says, you know what? I know that you have needs. I know that you have wants. So go ahead and pray those prayers for yourself first. Let's go ahead and pray for that. It's okay to ask God for something. We saw that scripturally time and time and time again last week, that God not only wants to answer our needs, our basic desires. I need air. I need to live. I need to be alive. So God loves to raise the dead. I need shelter. I need money. I need something to eat every once in a while. Those are our basic needs that we have to have met. But God wants to take that a step further because he's a God of a God of abundance. He's more than enough. The very beginning of time, when we have the Garden of Adam and Eve, God could have just given them an apple tree and said, you eat that apple tree, and then maybe in a couple years, I'll give you an orange tree. But that's not our God. Our God is a God of abundance. When he created the garden, he put every type of animal there, every type of tree, every type of fish, every type of bird. He opened the doors wide open, and he said, I'm not going to withhold anything from you. I'm going to be a God of abundance. We see that at the very beginning. He wants to meet our needs. So it's okay to pray prayers of supplication. God says, ask anything in my name, and I will give it to you. In Romans Let me read it to you real quick. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 is another great scripture as we studied supplication. If he gave us Jesus, that scripture says if he gave us Jesus, he's willing to give us anything. He won't withhold anything from us. That's what we talked about last week. If you missed it or you weren't here, you can go to our podcast. You can pick it up and listen to it. Nice plug right there. Today we're going to talk about prayers. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications and prayers be made for all men. That word prayer in the Greek, P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-E. It's a tough one. I tried to listen to the uh, enunciation over the week, and I could never get it. P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-E. Prayer. And that means just prayers addressed to God. So it's not only important to pray for what we want or need, but we also want to pray God prayers. Prayers that, that we can see in the Scriptures that God wants us to pray over ourselves, over the community, over different things in our lives. So he says, you know what, it's okay. Be selfish up front. Ask God. Ask me for what you want. But now it's time for you to pray what I want you to pray. And we can see that. We'll start off in Jesus teaching us examples of prayer. This is the most famous one, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased or stopped, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Verse 2, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us, verse 4, our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is with his disciples. We see in the scriptures that Jesus makes it a habit to pray. We talked about at the very beginning of this sermon series. He wakes up early before the sun has risen and goes and finds time to pray by himself, to speak to his father. So we see this habit of Jesus going to the temple. He goes to church on a repeated basis. He also prays a bunch. And he's there with his disciples praying. And it says when he stops praying, his disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Because I can see the disciples as Jesus is praying, looking at each other and whispering to each other, you ask him. No, you you ask him when he's done. No, no, rock, paper, scissor, rock, paper, scissors. Okay, it's you. So finally, somebody has the courage and the nerve to walk up to Jesus and say, excuse me, I know you're done praying. Can you teach us to pray? Because how you're praying is completely different than how I've ever prayed. There's an authority. There's an anointing. There's, there's something different about your prayers that, that aren't true in my life. And I, I want to know how to do that. And Jesus responds with, when you pray, say this. And he gives the example of a short prayer. Now, Jesus at this moment could have made this huge formula. He could have made this this Rubik's Cube of prayer. Say, well, you've got to do this first. You've got to do this first. You've got to go over here and do this. You've got to go over there. You've got to make a a trip to where I was born in Bethlehem. You've got to give this much money. You've got to to read a book. You've got to write a book. You've got to make miracles happen. He He could have, he had the door wide open. Whenever he said, 
Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, pray this. And he prays this simple prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And he's not telling us to pray that exact prayer every time. Because he even talks later on about vain, repetitious prayers. He's just showing us how easy it is to talk to the Father. That he opens the door with the very first thing of Father. That I can just talk to him like I talk to my daddy. Just driving to throw away some trash yesterday and I just called my dad. I said, hey dad, how you doing? We talked on the phone. He was working. He said, I'll call you back later. Said, okay, that's fine. He called me back. We talked. So simple. I can just dial the number on my phone that says dad. He answers. We talk. We laugh. We joke. We cry. All those things. I can hang up and I can call him right back again. Jesus just wants to show us how simple and easy it is. How much God wants to talk to us and how simple it is for us to talk to him in our prayer life. The disciples ask Jesus to pray because they realize that he prays differently than they do. They need to be taught how he prays. When we lived with Mr. Jim and Miss Karen before we moved into the house, we were able to put all of our stuff all throughout his house, everywhere. Our stuff was, some of our stuff probably still at his house, hidden somewhere. Um, but we had the opportunity to put all of our stuff and tried to hide it in his closets. And he built the shelves in his closet. And he showed me how he built them and all that. And so we bought this house. And I have two closets in the house, in the baby's room and in Noah's room, uh, that don't have shelves in the closets. Now, I could probably YouTube how to build shelves. In my mind, I know how to build shelves. You get some wood, you get some screws, you get a hammer and nails, and then you go in the closet with all that, and you just, you make shelves. I, I mean, I, I know how to make shelves, but, but I realized that my father-in-law made shelves, made it way better than I could ever do, and so I went to my father-in-law and said, Father-in-law, teach me to make shelves. I realize that, that how you do it and how I do it, when I'm trying and trying to figure it out, that you can do it. So, so teach me how. So he came over to the house yesterday. He taught me how to make shelves. We have shelves in both closets now. And he showed me, and he cut, and he drilled, and, and he showed me here, and we measured, and we went through this process of him teaching us how to do it. Although I, I could have done it on my own, it, it might not have been as good. But when I asked him for help, wow, you should come see these shells. They're beautiful. They're amazing. And the same thing is true when it comes to the disciples. They said, Jesus, you've, we pray. We know how to pray. We've been taught how to pray. But you pray so much better. You pray so much different than we've ever prayed. And I, I want to pray like that. Teach me to pray. And Jesus says, okay, just pray like this. Here's another example of Jesus teaching us how to pray in John eleven forty one through 43. This is a very hectic story that we're dropping into. Lazarus has died and Jesus is walking to the tomb. 11, verse 41, John 11, verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, 
But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I love that Jesus is teaching us something right here. That in the moment of humanity, emotional outburst, there's a death in the family, there's a death in the city that has rocked the city. They know that Jesus has healed people and raised people from the dead, and he's shown up too late, and people are wailing, people are crying, people are running to Jesus' feet, Jesus is talking. We even see Jesus weeping in this moment, but he says, take me to the tomb. And there's a resolution inside of him that he knows that his prayers are effective and he knows that his prayers can change the atmosphere. He knows that his prayers are heard by the Father, not only heard by the Father, but responded by the Father. And he puts all the emotions aside that us in humanity can get caught up in. And he walks to the tomb. He walks in the moment where people are crying, people are yelling, people are screaming, people are in turmoil. All that thing is happening. And he just simply prays to his father and says, even in the emotional craziness of this moment, I thank you that you hear me when I pray and that you respond. He doesn't get all bent out of shape. He just knows his father. He knows what his father can do. And he just says, Lazarus, come forth. Same is true. We've talked about this many of times when the disciples are in the boat, the water is just coming in and water's coming in. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. And he's sleeping and they run to him. Emotional outburst. Jesus, do you care that we're dying? Jesus gets up, walks to the edge of the boat, avoids all the emotional outbursts. Peace be still. That he knew how effective his prayers were. He knew that when he prayed, God heard us. And when God prays, God, when he prays to God, God answers. Jesus is teaching us something. The simplicity of praying and believing that when we pray, we are heard by God. And that God answers. John 17, I'm going to read it. You can, you can visit it later. We see that this is the part right before Jesus goes to the cross. We talked about this last week. And about John 13, 14, he's having the Last Supper. He's having the Passover meal with his disciples. He kicks Judas out. He tells Judas, you know, go do whatever you got to do. It says Satan enters him and leaves. So Satan's completely out of the picture. Sin's completely out of the picture. And it's just Jesus talking with his disciples. And he's telling them in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, over and over again. He's just trying to vomit out as much information as he can. He said, I'm about to go to the cross. I know that this time is ending. I just want to tell you what to do. Do this, do this, do this. And he's just firing. You can just read the urgency that Jesus is trying to teach them. Teach them, teach them. Just get this in your heart. Just listen. And at the end of him talking, it says that he prays. And we're going to read some of that in John chapter 17. In verse 1, we see that Jesus prays for himself. Supplication. He starts off with praying for himself. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Verse 2, as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. 
Verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Verses 6 through 19, he prays over his disciples. And you want to know something beautiful? In chapter 17, many, 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 many years ago, before he even went to the cross, verses 20 through 26, he prays for you. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying for his coming disciples, for the people who are going to serve him and love him. Did you even know that you were in the Bible? That Jesus right here is praying a prayer over you today. And listen to the prayer that Jesus prays over you today. I do not pray for these alone, being just the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you. Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Verse 26, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that they love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. That is Jesus' prayer over you. He wasn't trying to run away from the cross. He wasn't trying to run away from dying. He was trying to get there as quick as he could because that prayer says he was doing it for you. He was doing it for you. He's standing right before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he gets to the cross, and he's praying for himself, he's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for the people that he's about to save. Jesus is teaching us and showing us how to pray God-like prayers. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As we're learning to pray God-like prayers, we see Jesus teaching us how to pray, how simple our prayers can be, how much access we have to be able to call God our Father. And we can call Him. He's given us the right to call Him Abba Father. Us, Gentiles, people who weren't deserving in the Old Covenant, but now through the New Covenant are allowed to walk boldly into His throne room. He says, you can call me Abba Father. I've grafted you into the family. Come on in. So we want to see, if we're praying God-like prayers, how can we pray to resist the devil? A question that we probably all face and we all ask. I hear many, many times 
throughout being in ministry that people will come to me and say, well, Satan's just attacking me. Satan's in my house and he's doing this and that. Satan's in the town, he's doing this and that. Okay. Well, let's quit talking about what Satan's doing and let's start figuring out how to resist him. Let's learn how to resist him through our prayers. James chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, Jesus showed us how to pray when the disciples asked to pray. So let's see how Jesus resisted the devil. If he resisted the devil, then we should abide by those same principles. We've heard this story before. We'll just jump into it. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Hasn't eaten, hasn't drinking, just been praying to the Father. You probably feel like you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights sitting here. We're almost done. It's almost time for lunch. And he's just got done fasting. You know how you are. After service, your, your, your tummy's grumbling. You're grumpy. I've got to go eat. Get out of the way, cars. Quit driving. Hurry up and go. I've got to get to the restaurant. And that's after four hours. So Jesus is in the wilderness. He's not even in a fancy place of praying. It's not like he's at a resort. It's not like he's at a spa enjoying himself. He's in the desert, in the sand. He's probably got fleas and bugs and the hot weather and the cold weather coming against him. He hasn't eaten. And he gets done. (sighs) Finally, I fasted. The Spirit has led me here. And who shows up? Satan himself. Satan himself. Not a demon. Not somebody who's demon-possessed. Not Satan himself. Hey, Jesus, what's going on? It's been a while. What you been doing? Oh, you look hungry. Luke chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. The very first thing he tempts him with is the, the weakness of what he needs right there. Did Jesus lick his lips, think about the best roll he's ever eaten? Mmm, sure would like some sourdough bread right now with some butter, some spices on it. He doesn't even entertain the thought. He doesn't even entertain what he says. He just instantly responds with verse 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That we can see right here something that can help us in our prayer life and in our daily talk that instead of telling people about Satan attacking well, Satan's just attacking my health, we can turn to what Jesus did, and as soon as that evil thought, that evil thing comes our way, it is written, but then it takes us a step further in our Christian walk. It pushes us a step further. We have to know what it is written for us to say and come against the devil. Because if we keep reading this story... Satan himself actually quotes the Bible. The Bible wasn't written then, but he quotes scriptures to Jesus. But but doesn't it also say, isn't that what Satan has done over and over and over again? Isn't this the same trick that he's done? He's standing in front of Adam and Eve and says, well, didn't, didn't God say this? That it says in the scriptures that Satan is walking around seeking whom he may devour. 
It says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is not a game, people. Might be a game in the American church, but Satan, the devil, the enemy, is out there seeking and looking to devour people. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we have that coming against us, when I look at my life and I say, this is trying to steal joy from me, this is trying to steal finances from me, this is trying to steal this from me, something's trying to kill me, something's trying to destroy, all of a sudden, whoa, the devil's here. I'm not going to entertain him anymore. I'm going to resist him. And I'm going to resist him the same way that Jesus did by saying it is written. The scripture says this. And if Satan comes back to me and says, well, does he really say that? Yes, he really says that. And I'll tell you another scripture that he says. And I'll tell you another scripture until you go. There's a power in our prayer that we need to tap into. Jesus says it is written. The importance of prayer. The importance of prayer in our daily life. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual world that's out there. And God has given us a physical tool of prayer to combat the spiritual realm by using our prayer. Now we see Jesus resisting the devil here and we can learn from that. But Paul also in his writings writes to us and encourages us and shows us how we as Gentiles can resist the devil. Ephesians 6 chapter 10. We've heard these scriptures before. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against. Doesn't say that you'll lose. Doesn't say that it's going to be a fight. He says you're going to stand against it by doing this, putting on the full armor of God. Verses 14, we're going to drop down. We're going to read the full armor of God. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here we go. Paul's trying to make a statement here. Above all, above all, with all the armor we're talking about, here's one of the most important ones. So pay attention to what he's about to say. Above all, take on the shield of faith. Why? Why do we need to take on the shield of faith? So you will be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one. Whoa. So our faith declaration, our scripture declaration is what's going to resist the devil. That as I put a barrier around me of speaking the scriptures, that it's going to hinder. Now, is Satan really out there? We think of him with the pitchfork and the bow and arrow firing the fiery darts. No, 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 no. It's not fiery darts. What are the fiery darts? It's him talking to you. God is omniscient. He knows all your thoughts. Satan doesn't know all your thoughts. We give Satan way too much power and way too much credit. But he can put thoughts inside of your head. Does God really say you want to be healed? Can God really save you? You know how much of a sinner you are? You know what you've done? You know how many people know what you've done and you're going to say that God is good? And he puts these thoughts. He sends people across our path to try and bring us down to steal, kill, and destroy us. Those are the fiery darts 
and what arrows that are coming our way. But when I have that shield of faith around me, I can just walk. Nope, it is written. Nope, it is written. And I push those down with my prayer and my declaration. Let's keep reading. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here's Paul encouraging us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You want to resist the devil. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He shows us how to pray. He shows us how to resist the devil. And then his apostle to the Gentiles, the apostle Paul, hears from God on how to teach us in line with what Jesus said to resist the devil. Quit giving credit to the devil. And start standing on the word of God. Start getting scripture inside of you. That's why we stress Bible reading so much. Not just so you can check off a box and say, well, I did a good deed today. Yay, I read my Bible. No, no, we've got to get the word inside of our heart. We've got to put that inside of us. We've got to know it. We've got to breathe it. We've got to live it. So when those attacks come, because the devil does know the word, he's the accuser. it says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's ready. He's ready to, hey, did God really say that? No, I've read my Bible. I, yeah, no, it, it doesn't say that. You're lying. Shield of faith. So we want to see some prayers as I finish up. We're going to run through them really quick. We're going to look at Paul's writings. Paul is called to the Gentiles. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter is called to the Jews to preach and teach to the Jews. And the apostle Paul is called to us. And so the writings that we have in the New Testament of all the writings of Paul are something that we need to study and read because Jesus told the Apostle Paul all the things that we need to know as Gentiles to walk and live out this new covenant. And so we see the Apostle Paul writing Scripture to the Gentile church that we can stand on and we can believe on and prayers that we can pray, God prayers that we can pray in our own lives. And you can write these down and revisit them and I'll, I'll run through them. Romans 15, 5 through 6 and 13. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's just a beautiful prayer that we can pray for unity in the church, unity in the congregation, unity in our fellow brethren. Unity in the churches abroad. One mind and one heart. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through, I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about having the victory over death, if you read the context of, of that section of scriptures. But we can take that scripture and also apply it to our lives. I just don't want to have victory right before I die. Hey, when I die, I'm going to heaven. Yay, victory. No, I want to have victory now in my life. From now until the grave, I want to have victory. And in the ultimate victory is when I close my eyes. It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. As soon as I close my eyes, I'm no longer surrounded by death, sickness, disease, and sin, but I am standing right in the face of my Jesus and my Savior. Let these scriptures wash over you today. Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. 
Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. A beautiful scripture that we can pray before we come to church. God, as I come and hear your word, God, give me wisdom and revelation. Let me know your heart. Let me know what the pastor's saying. Let me understand what he's preaching so that it can affect me and help me and change me. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three more scriptures that you can visit throughout the week. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. This is another prayer from Paul. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13. So all of those scriptures that I read, the other three that I gave, are just examples of the Apostle Paul praying God prayers over the church, over the Gentile church, over us, that we can pray and believe for God to do in our life. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He shows us how to pray, how to interact with the Father. We learn through the scriptures on how to resist the devil by our prayers. We see the Apostle Paul teaching us how to do that as well. We see evidence of how Jesus does that. And then we see the Apostle Paul showing us God-like prayers by praying God prayers over the Gentile church. And the last thing I have, and I'll finish with this, is we want to pray God's will on earth and on our lives. So Jesus teaches us how to pray. He shows us how to pray and interact with the Father. He shows and teaches us how to push and resist the devil away. He shows us how to pray God-like prayers over our lives, over the church, over the body of Christ. But how can I pray for God to have all these things show up in my life. It centers around knowing the scriptures. Psalms 119.89. We've talked about this before. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Settled. It's established. It is a, it is a stop sign. It is a stoplight. It is a law. It is, it is established. God's word in heaven is established in heaven. Whatever God says goes up in heaven. We see that there's no sickness, we see that there's no disease, we see that there's no sin, we see that there's joy, we see that there's love, we see that there's peace, 
We see in the scriptures that his word and what he's doing is establishing it. That's why we're so excited to get to heaven. That's why we're so ready to get there. We're, we're looking in the sky for Jesus to show up. We're listening for the trumpet. That's why we have the assurance when we die because we know that Satan has been attacking this earth and he's been ravaging it and he's been tearing it down and it's just been more and more destructive. But we know that when we go to heaven, his word is there and it's established. But that's great. But I'm 30-something years old. I believe I still have a good 20, 30, 40, 50, 80 years, I don't know, however, out there. So I'm glad that his word is established up there, but I need his word to be established right here in my life. So how, how can I pray that? How can I believe that? And it's actually in the scripture that Jesus showed us when he taught us how to pray. If we can jump back up to Luke 11, verse 3. Very important word that Jesus prays in that. Uh, I'm sorry, go to verse 2. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here it is right here. What's it say? On earth as it is in heaven. As you're praying God prayers, as you're studying the word and getting that scripture in your life and in your prayer life, this is the scripture right here that will change your life and your prayer life. We understand that heaven's a great place. We understand that everything is up there is good. But Jesus just taught us something, that what's up there can come down here when we pray God prayers. So if his word is established in heaven, but I'm not seeing established in my life, then all I do is start praying God-like prayers and says, as it is in heaven, then it better be here on earth. I'm calling down the heavenly healing, the heli, the salvation, the things that I need that are established in heaven, the word of God that's up in heaven, and I'm calling it down into earth right now. I'm praying and believing that God is going to change my life. He's going to save my life. He's going to restore my life because that is the type of prayers and the power that is associated with our prayers. Prayer is a Christian's power source to accomplish and declare God's promises on earth in our lives. God uses our prayers as a vehicle to accomplish His will on earth. Listen to that again. God uses our prayers. He says it right here. Your word's established in heaven. How's it going to be established here on earth? It's by praying on earth as it is in heaven. If we understood the power, if we understood the authority, if we understood the access of what our prayer life can potentially be, of what God wants it to be, that we can start praying like Jesus did. Father, I thank you that you hear me, and I thank you that when you hear me, you respond to me. Think of how this world would be turned upside down if we got a hold of this and we went out there and truly believed when we lay hands on the sick, they recovered. When we started pulling people out of hospitals and out of the graves. When we started pulling people out of hell, bringing them into heaven. The power of your prayer life starts with understanding the scriptures and praying and using those scriptures to push away the devil. And to bring heaven right here in my life. The power of prayer. Try it this week. I encourage you. I'll go back to being a kid. I double dog dare you. 
pray with power. Next week, we're going to talk about intercession. We've prayed about, we've talked about prayer supplication, praying for ourselves. Now we see that there are God prayers that we can pray, that we can pray heaven down here on earth. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about intercession. How can I pray for others? I want to learn how to pray for others. People come to me as a pastor all the time, and they ask for things. Well, I need prayer for this. I'm having issues with that. And there's ways that we can see in the scriptures how we can lay hands on people, how we can pray for people, what we can use to see our prayers affect somebody else, no matter their situation, but because of what's inside of me, I can lay hands on the sick, and they can recover. We're going to talk about that next week. Amen. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this beautiful thing called prayer that you have given us something in the natural that we can do to influence the supernatural and influence our daily earth, our daily life, Father. We know that your word is settled in heaven. It's established in heaven. But, Father, right now, we need your word to be established in our life, in our earth, in our city, in our region, Father. We rebuke the devil right now in this region and in this area and in this town, Father. It's not yours, This is God's kingdom. This is God's place. And we call it down right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that your angels are going out and you're speaking to the people. You're gathering the people to come to know you, to experience you in a brand new way, Father. I thank you that you're empowering us and you're speaking to us and you're using us, Father. You're encouraging us in our prayer life that we see how Jesus taught us to pray. We see how Jesus taught us to resist the devourer, the accuser of the brethren out of our lives. And we see that with God-like prayers, how it can change the world. Father, I thank you for the people today. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ, the Scripture says. I thank you that the Scripture says that by Jesus' stripes they are healed, that their body is the temple of the Most High God, and sickness and disease cannot reside there, and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that right now these people in this congregation are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Because we are your sons and daughters, the favor of God surrounds us like a shield. And everything we put our hands to must prosper in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that your scripture says that we are the the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill. Our prayers are powerful and change. You hear our prayers and you respond to our prayers. And we will go out this week and we will share the gospel message, Father. We know how we'll defeat the devil. And we will defeat the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Father, I thank you for these people. I ask you to bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do this week. And bring them back safely on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you all on Sunday. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.